Welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ news and public affairs show featuring music, events, and interviews, both local and global. From the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. Good evening and welcome to Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm Colin Schasperger. On tonight's show, we will have your LGBTQ area event calendar and a very special interview with RuPaul's Drag Race Season, season 7 contestant, Mrs. Kasha Davis. But first, we're going to start off our show by getting to Noelle Phillips with this week's LGBTQ plus news headlines. On Tuesday, the Trump administration announced that the option to declare sexual orientation and gender identity would not be included on the 2020 United States Census. In response, GLAAD CEO Sarah K. Ellis said it was a, quote, systematic effort on behalf of the Trump administration to erase LGBT people, end quote. The current census only allows for an overview of same-sex households. With more focused questions, lawmakers would be better equipped to ensure appropriate legislation to improve the lives of LGBTQ citizens. The Trump administration also revoked the Fair Pay and Safe Workplaces order. The order required companies receiving large federal contracts to show that they have complied for at least three years with 14 federal laws, many of which relate to workplace discrimination. The Americans with Disabilities Act and Rehabilitation Act are both of concern as they prohibit discrimination based on HIV status and other disabilities. This move also undermines an executive order that President Obama issued regarding Title VII of the Civil Rights Act that made it illegal for contractors to discriminate based on gender identity or sexual orientation. According to an Associated Press analysis released this week, North Carolina's House Bill 2 will cost the state more than $3.76 billion in lost business over 12 years. The law excludes gender identity and sexual orientation from statewide anti-discrimination protections, and requires transgender people to use restrooms corresponding to the sex on their birth certificates in many public buildings. The losses are based on projects that already went elsewhere, so the money won't be recouped even if the law is ruled against in court or repealed. The NCAA is set to announce sites for various championships through 2022, and North Carolina won't be among them as long as HB2 is enacted. Conventions, concerts, and sporting events have canceled events in the state. PayPal co-star Deutsche Bank, Adidas, and VoxPro backed out of plans to bring jobs to North Carolina because of HB2. In total, the state has missed out on more than 2,900 direct jobs that went elsewhere. By the end of 2017 alone, the lost business will total more than $525 million. Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan, who leads the largest company based in North Carolina, said he's spoken privately to business leaders who went elsewhere with projects or events because of the controversy. Companies are moving to other places because they don't face an issue that they face here. What's going on that you don't know about? What convention decided to take you off the list? What location for a distribution facility took you off the list? What corporate headquarters consideration for a foreign company that there's a lot of them out here just took you off the list because they just didn't want to be bothered with the controversy? After he signed the law one year ago, former Governor Pat McCrory issued a statement assuring residents it wouldn't affect North Carolina's status as, quote, one of the top states to do business in the country, end quote. The former governor is having difficulty finding work after signing the controversial legislation. If you talk to CEOs off the record, they go, heck, I agree with you, Pat, but I couldn't say anything because they're more worried about the bottom line of finance. And heck, it's even impacted me to this day, even after I left office. Uh, people are reluctant to hire me uh, because, oh my gosh, he's a bigot, which is the last thing I am. Current North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper has long opposed HB2. He attempted to repeal the law in December. The law has damaged our state. Pass a clean repeal of House Bill 2, and I will sign it the same day. Pass a compromise repeal that works to eliminate discrimination and brings back jobs and sports and entertainment, and I will sign it. Last month, Cooper reintroduced a proposal for the repeal of HB2. He believes there are already enough votes in the General Assembly for a clean repeal, but the leadership won't bring it to a vote. North Carolina Senate leader Phil Berger believes the new proposal lacks a compromise. He is the one, it seems to me, uh, that has, uh, has done everything to keep House Bill 2 uh, in place and opposed any, any effort or the, the one reasonable effort that was out there uh, to do something about it. So, uh, so I think he's got to come forward with a compromise, and I don't think he's done that at this point. According to the Human Rights Campaign, more than 115 anti-LGBTQ bills have been introduced in 30 states. 
In Arkansas, state lawmakers are currently discussing three bills that could force transgender people out of public life. Senate Bill 774 is Arkansas's version of North Carolina's HB2 bathroom bill. Called the Arkansas Physical Privacy and Safety Act, it would require transgender people to use public restrooms matching the gender listed on their birth certificate. House Bill 1986 would allow a person to press charges against a transgender person under indecent exposure laws. The law could, for example, prohibit trans men who had top surgery from going shirtless in public. The law could see transgender people fined thousands and they could potentially face felony charges and prison sentences. Finally, House Bill 1894 would prevent trans people from changing the gender listed on their birth certificates. The bill was reintroduced by Representative Mickey Gates. So what happens if you have a guy, he's 24 years old, and he decides he wants to be a 14-year-old guy so that he can have sex with a 14-year-old girl and it not be raped? Who are we as a society to say, you can't do that? There are some things that are anchored down. When you were born, what you were when you were born, those are things that we anchor down. We make provisions for the anomalies, but the rest of them, they're anchored down. The House and Senate have until March 31st to reach a decision before the bills will be tabled until 2018. In other national news, last week President Trump quietly appointed Roger Severino, a former Heritage Foundation employee, to head the Civil Rights Office at the Department of Health and Human Services. Robin Merrill, Associate Legal Director for the Human Rights Campaign, said this movement, quote, that someone would be placed in charge of enforcing some of our nation's most important civil rights laws who doesn't necessarily believe that discrimination against LGBTQ people is a problem, end quote. Severino has written articles in which he disagrees with everything from marriage equality to restroom access for transgender people. He has also opposed protections for gender identity when it comes to health care. In global news, an anti-transgender bus tour that began in Spain earlier this month is part of an international strategy. The Spanish bus was sponsored by Astioir, a Spanish-based group that mobilizes Catholic conservatives and their allies in Spain and Europe. A billboard with the same visuals and messaging showed up in Guatemala branded as a project of Citizen Go, with which the Spanish organization is affiliated. On the side of the bright orange bus is the phrase, quote, It's biology. Boys are boys and always will be. Girls are girls and always will be. You can't change sex. Respect all, end quote. This past week, the National Organization for Marriage brought the bus tour to the United States with a press conference in New York City. The bus will also stop at Yale University, Boston, Massachusetts, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C. In other global news, President Rodrigo Duterte and his allies have tabled a bill that would have legalized same-sex civil marriage in the Philippines, where the Catholic Church wields substantial political influence. President Duterte said during his 2016 presidential campaign that he would consider signing legislation to legalize marriage by same-sex couples, but now he has reversed course. President Duterte said that while he cannot allow same-sex couples to marry because it would violate the Constitution, he thinks people should do whatever makes them happy. You go out of this universe happy and fulfilled. If it makes the McGays happy, let them be. I do not condemn anybody there. What makes you happy? Good. Just don't violate the law. However, he was not as forgiving regarding transgender rights. He said, quote, wherever God has placed you, stay there, end quote, and that no one should, quote, erase the great divide between a woman and a man, end quote. The Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, seeks to advance LGBTQ rights within the Commonwealth. Canada is working with the United Kingdom to fund local organizations that advocate for same-sex equality, to raise the issue with heads of government in private meetings, and to invite LGBTQ activists from developing countries to Commonwealth summits. 36 of the Commonwealth's 52 nations criminalize homosexual activity. Penalties range from jail time to execution. While the United Nations and the Organization of American States condemn violence against sexual minorities, many members of the Commonwealth remain opposed to any concessions. Earlier this month, Joseph Muscat, Prime Minister of Malta and the current Commonwealth Chair, declared in a speech at Westminster Abbey that a lack of respect for sexual minorities harmed the Commonwealth's reputation. He echoed similar views on last year's Commonwealth Day. Minority issues, LGBTIQ issues, that are so important in, in many countries of the Commonwealth and maybe that so far we have shied away from um, addressing um, firsthand because of some fear that it might stir controversy. Well, I, I think that the, the, that the Commonwealth was at its best when it didn't shy away from controversy. One key advancement would be obtaining accreditation for the Commonwealth Equality Network a nonprofit organization dedicated to furthering LGBTQ rights. In June, the Board of Governors will meet in London to vote on the measure. For Blooming Out on WFHB, I'm Noel Phillips.
And that was our news director, Noelle Phillips, with this week's LGBTQ plus news headlines. Next on Blooming Out, Mrs. Kasha Davis from RuPaul's Drag Race joined Grace Thumzer and I on Tuesday for a little discussion before her performance in Sigma Phi Beta's annual philanthropy event, Drag for a Cause. Here is that interview. Well, first of all, thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. So, um, I mean, first of all, you're in town for the event today. The show's going to be airing in two days, so the event's already going to be over. But uh, Drag for a Cause with uh, Sigma Phi Beta. Right, and Argenta Peron. Yes, Argenta. Have you met her before? We just had a lovely hour drive from the airport. Nice, Whereupon we caught up on each other's lives. I mean, you have no choice for one hour. You get get (laughs) flown into these cities, and you arrive, and usually one of the local queens or someone who's working on the show picks you up, and then you get to know know, Mm -hmm. everybody's histories. So it's actually really nice. It's one of my favorite things about traveling, getting to know the the people that are at the shows and and in the cities. So I guess just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, of course. My name is Mrs. Kasha Davis, married lady. As you know, a contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race season seven. Mm -hmm. I like to say it was at the beginning of that season, you know, just uh, or a little (laughs) bit. uh, I thought I went halfway through, but some people forget that. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, at any rate, uh, I grew up in a small town in Scranton, Pennsylvania. So it's a small town in Pennsylvania. In, in, it's a suburb of Scranton called Taylor. And, uh, you know, grew up there in the 70s and 80s. And, um, you know, I grew up and it was the type of thing where there was no homosexuality to be heard of. You know, it was you were light in the loafers. Mm-hmm. If there was something on TV, it was, you know, Snagglepuss, which is a the, the pink character that's a cartoon character or Uncle Arthur on Bewitched. There was no such thing as being gay, though. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my dad's a U.S. Marshal, a retired U.S. Marshal, and my mom's a a very fashionable Italian diva, Avon lady. And um, (laughs) so, you know, mama's boy, long story short, I was not about allowed to come out. I was not allowed to be feminine, so I got married to the first woman who would say yes. And, you know, I did get involved in theater and all of that jazz, but then as life progressed, of course, I realized, you know, that marriage wasn't going to work out. I was more of a size 18, 20, and she's like a 12, 14. So just there's no way. <laughs> right. So I moved for that company, Dial America, and I moved to Rochester where really all my dreams came true. I met my husband, and he had two lovely daughters, and uh, everything started to come together. And then yeah, I'm sure you'll want to hear more, but that's when the drag started. Yes. Right, right. So can you give us, can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what it was like growing up in a smaller town where maybe it wasn't okay yeah. to be gay? It wasn't. I mean, I was uh, involved, as I said, in theater. I was involved in a ballet company. And even being in the ballet company, it wasn't talked about being gay. And again, this is the 70s and 80s, more so the 80s at that point, because I was a young child in the 70s. But um, Mm -hmm. it just was something that was hidden. And I think there are a lot of people that were married that were with you know, their significant other and then had stuff going on on the side. And it was extremely shameful. So there was a a level of acceptance that just wasn't there. And there was no one for me to look up to. What I wanted is from a child, and I have a one-woman show that's called There's Always Time for a Cocktail. And it goes through all of these things that we're talking about. And it started where all I ever wanted was to have a family and children. And at that time, it was hard to even conceive the idea of being with a man but then the idea to have children. And so again, some of the larger cities, of course, it was more acceptable and things were you know, um, more open, but this is a small town and it was, it was shameful. And um, my dad and I had a very difficult relationship. He tried to beat the girl out of me. Um, and we've since really made some great recovery from that, but I'm 46 years old now. That was a, that was a tough road. I see now that it was in his best interest to try to help me to not be continue to be bullied as I was as a child and to find my way and how to be a man. But it makes uh, it made for uh, a very lonely, very, a very difficult uh, childhood. And again, then I just made the decision to, to try to fit in the best way I could. Yeah. And then, of course, eventually drag entered your life. What was your first experience with drag? Well, I always say the first experience was when I tried my mother's padded bra on, you know, in the laundry room uh, back in uh, Taylor, Pennsylvania. But, you know, Halloween and theater, there were the, the times when I would get dressed up. And it wasn't so much that I had any kind of inkling that I wanted to be a woman or that I wanted to do that, but it was a theatrical experience, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so as a child, I always loved my great aunts with their big hair, Italian ladies and big jewelry and just flamboyant type personalities. And my grandmother was in vaudeville. She was a whistler. Uh, back in the day. And she, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And boy, could she blow. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but what she would do is she would host the shows and she would be in glamorous gowns. And I remember seeing these photos and thinking, oh, that's what I want to do. But then it became like, well, that just means I want to be in theater and follow that type of, of a path. But so uh, in around the like 2004 time, my husband, uh, who we were just dating at the time, we went to Provincetown, I was telling you earlier, and we saw Miss Richfield 1981. Now, if you don't know who that is, listeners, look her up. Mm. Google it. Um, Miss Richfield 1981 is a fantastic entertainer. And uh, we went to see the show. And, you know, the drag queens I had seen before were also pretty. Tiny, tiny, pretty Pandora box, as you know who that is from right. Rochester, and some of the other gals. And, well, Darian Lake was there, so not so much tiny, but pretty. <laughs> um, and, you know, they were just the very feminine. And I don't have that body. I don't have that face. So I saw Miss Richfield, and she was a hoot. You know, <laughs> she was just this auntie kind of like the, that everybody can relate to. And I thought, I can do that. And so there it was. We drove home. It was like uh, a nine-hour drive back home. And we talked all about who Mrs. Kasha Davis would be. As a matter of fact, it wasn't Mrs. yet. It was just Kasha Davis. Um, and who she was going to be and what songs she would do and what clothes she would wear. And it was able to, I was able to fit it into my life so that during the day I'd work my 9-to-5 job. And at night I was the director, producer, costume, designer, makeup artist for my own character. And it was just this amazing experience where I get to be both. So, so who did Mrs. Kasha Davis start out as back then? Well, she had horrible, horrible makeup. And she had <laughs> hairy, hairy arms. And, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I would just get dressed up like you would for Halloween, you know. But that's what happens is that you get in with your drag community. You've heard of drag mothers, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I worked at a club that was called Mothers. And our drag mother, my drag mother, I would say, was is, was the owner. And her name was Naomi Kane. And the first time I wanted to perform, I called down. And she was just a lovely gal. And I was like, Naomi, you know, I'd love to start to perform. And she's like, sure, baby. Come on down on Sunday. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, that's not a lady. Um, but so, so I did. And it was um, the group, Aggie Dune, Ambrosia Salad, Darian Lake, Pandora Box, although sometimes a little cutting, and, you know, edgy and as, you know, reading, as we say today, they were there to help you, you know, whether it sometimes was through jokes or through, you know, sarcasm, but to help you to, t to learn your way. And I did. And so, you know, I learned how to pad and I learned what tights to wear and I learned how to do my makeup. And but they kept you in your character. You weren't forced to be like everybody else, which I loved. So that that made for a really great, diverse show. We had the beauty queens, the comedy queens, the, you know, the divas and uh I was more of a retro type of a personality. So I did a lot of like old music or if I did something newer, it was like, oh, there's mom trying to think she's cool out on the stage <laughs> performing to, you know, a certain song. So um, that's, you know, really how all that started to develop. And uh, did the title Mrs. come with the marriage or? Well, Mrs. Kasha Davis came because... Um, the other gals, you know, sometimes in the drag uh, community, there's a lot of drinking, which I did partake in at the time. And then there was there's drug use. And sometimes there's, you know, uh, promiscuity or, you know, <laughs> however, what is the word we want to use. And so I was a little bit more vanilla. You know, I wasn't really interested in a lot of that. Of course, I drank. That I was definitely interested in. There's always time for a cocktail. There it is. I there it like, is. Please. Yes. Please. Yeah. My mother said that every morning, noon and night. Um, is what I uh, is usually my tagline. Afterwards. <laughs> but at any rate, um, my drag mother Naomi was like, "You're not," because it was always Miss Aggie Dune, Miss Pandora Box, and then because I was such a stick in the mud, they were like Mrs. Kasha Davis, and they thought it was an insult. But I loved it because I wasn't exactly married yet because it wasn't legal yet, but we were together as a married couple, and um, I loved the fact that I could be sort of the character that was a, what that was sort of like your aunt. That everybody has that you know gives you that big kiss on the cheek at Christmas, and you're like, oh, I don't want to kiss her, <laughs> you know, or that goofball kind of like character. So I loved being named Mrs. Kasha Davis, and uh, you know, uh, the international celebrity housewife came from Pandora Box, and I working on videos together. That if you go on YouTube, you'll find Kasha's Balls of Love and Beer in the Rear Chicken. Mm -hmm. So Mrs. Kasha Davis would try to do a cooking show, and then by the end, she'd be hammered and drunk on the floor. <laughs> so, you know. 
So that was sort of like a, if a Julia Childs is a an old uh, you know kind of character in uh, a, a woman that did uh, you know cooking instruction on TV and and we were like emulating that. Mm-hmm. So much of this is really what I do in my one woman shows. You know, I like yeah. to tell these stories and and talk about the stuff that. Maybe some, you know, oftentimes coming out stories are are told are are um, being pushed to the side because oh today it's 2017 people should just be feel comfortable coming out mm-hmm. or people oh my goodness sorry no I never turned on my phone hey, that's, that's terrible okay. and uh, it's my dentist so we'll just let that go <laughs> oh yeah let that um, ring <laughs> so at any rate you know the coming out stories are they're you know, put to the side. And I think it's so important to continue talking about them because you still have to come out to your families. Mm -hmm. You still have to come out to your loved ones, even though it's on the media, even though it's talked about, even though it's quote unquote accepted, it's still very difficult to accept and to be accepted. And so to me, one of the great things about being able to be on RuPaul's Drag Race and have the platform is to tell these stories and to give somebody somebody to potentially look up to and say, that's a life that I might like or I might like maybe a little different but there's somebody who's who's in a in a healthy manner. So, mm-hmm. and you never know who's listening, you never know who's watching, who's reading, you know, any of the things that we post or that we say, and that's where you know I'm not going to necessarily criticize my peers, but it's important that we be careful with that because, you know, I uh, I'm sure we'll talk about, but I I'm almost sober now. It's almost two years. And although there's always time for a cocktail, there was a time where there wasn't. And okay, and I thought that it was very important to be that open about it. And in in retrospect, now I have people all over the world who still message me and talk to me about thank you for being so open about it because it's helping them. And uh, I even have uh, uh, some drag queens out there because it's so difficult in the drag community to stay sober, who said I saved their life by just being open. And what better payment? Mm-hmm. Is there than that? You know, Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not the winner of All Stars season two or one, <laughs> but I have been able to uh, take this wonderful gift that RuPaul gave us by getting on here and being one of the little messengers and telling my story and continuing to tell my story, and uh, you know that helps other people. So right. that's that's what life is all about, I think. Absolutely. So I remember something that you said a little bit earlier about how you were together with your husband, but you weren't able to get married yet. Right. And I think that for a lot of people, you know, I think for me, right, when I came out, gay marriage was just about legalized. Right. What was it like to be with someone and to be husbands, but legally not allowed to be? Well, it's interesting. First and foremost, I knew since I was little, there was this, I would dream about Stephen. And I would be ashamed. I'd be like, why am I dreaming about a man? You know? And as uh, time went on, I ended up meeting Stephen. And he had two darling daughters. And it was this dream come true. And so when we were together, it was as if we were married immediately. You know, of course, we had to define those things as our relationship went on. But it was as if we were a married couple. And it wasn't legal. And so it didn't matter. Because as important as it was to us at the time for the legislation to you know, evolve. We knew that in the eyes of what God we believe in and and everything else, it was like, this is accepted. This is true love. We're fine. But um, of course, and so we had a reception, you know, and it was great. And Pandora Box was uh, the bartender, by the way. She wasn't the, she wasn't the entertainment. Uh, I'll just put that in there. Uh, but yeah, so she was there. And so was Darian Lake, you know, like, so these are all friends that we all kind of like were in the Rochester community together. But so we had that celebration. It was wonderful. But then when, we came, when it came to the point where, my God, it was a dream come true. Is this actually happening? Can we actually be accepted by, like, the government, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, have this equal rights? You know, it was so exciting. And we went to different rallies. And, you know, I remember, um, you know, uh, just being there and having chills, like, thinking. Because we, we would see it proposed and we would think it can't happen. It was hard to comprehend. But, of course, um, we were at the tail end of a lot of the fights that a lot of people have, have participated in over the years. And so, at the, the long story short, we had um, the first, rece- re- first event, Steve's uh, parents came. My parents didn't because they still didn't accept the fact that I uh, came out. Because we had a long period of time where we were very separate. They called my husband and my boyfriend at the time that man and those girls. They wouldn't even say their name. Mm-hmm. 
But then my mom passed, God love her. And um, my father kind of came to and realized, I mean, she had come to a level of acceptance, but my father came to realize like life is short and this is really ridiculous. So he came to our uh, legal, you know, ceremony and reception and he did come to that. And it was pretty amazing. Just having him there alone for me was huge because we had such turmoil throughout the years. It was kind of funny. He was like, I don't know what to expect at uh, this uh, event. You know, what's going to happen? I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to come down the aisle with like, you know, six dozen red roses and a sequin gown and only Liza Minnelli music. You know, and he was like, okay, see you later. No, that didn't happen. But essentially, you know, he was able to be there for the ceremony part and be able to kind of say, okay, this is normal. You know, it's just two people who love each other and uh, who belong together. And we've, my husband, Stephen, and I have been through the greatest times and some of the worst of times. But it's, you know, I would, there, there's nothing greater than being able to just sit on the sofa and just sit quiet with this, you know, the man that I love. And nothing, nothing else is more important. You know, types of things that we strive for. It's like that piece of being with somebody, your soulmate, and, and being married. And here's the thing. Of course, our current government says that there's there's threats where that might be jeopardized. And that scares me. I believe, though, personally, in the positive, okay? And I believe that it would just take a lot of energy to take all of that away. If, though, it does happen, it won't be for long. And the thing of it is, uh, for myself, I will fight as much as I have to fight and participate. But my husband and I will still remain husbands through whatever anybody defines. I think that things were... Things still are very optimistic, but I think that right after gay marriage was legalized, everything seemed to be so great. And now things are starting to turn a little bit scary. What would you say to people who are starting to come out now? You have so much support, first and foremost. And so now you have the support of social media. You can find people that you like, like you had mentioned, uh, YouTube. There are videos. There are there are organizations. They're all there. And the organizations through uh, the election of Mr. Trump, uh, through that situation that we have had, that we are all experiencing, <laughs> the, or- the organizations have, I believe, been revitalized. Oh, so, yeah. you know, some of the organizations, as you mentioned, maybe it just felt like we didn't need them anymore. But we did, right? And so this is a reminder that we're still, uh, that, that it's still needed for so many people out there. So... Find out, find those organizations, get on your social media, get on your internet, you know, Google things that, you know, that, that are, that are necessary for you, whatever that may be, sexual orientation, gender identity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and find your tribe. Okay. Find the people that you need to be around and be with and feel the reality of the fact that life, uh, that it is normal to be who you are. Then... Uh, my big message is that because we have all of the social media, be careful not to, you know, I believe so much negativity can be posted on Facebook and Twitter and um, it's the end of the world. I've seen people uh, say things like, well, we better get ready and get in line and get on the buses because it's time to go to concentration camps again. No, no, that's not going to happen. Okay, I understand where the fear is and we, where we make those statements, but I believe if we make those statements and we stay in that negative space, that either we'll go in that direction or we'll just live in a negative place. We'll stay positive and look for people like yourself. Good advice. Yeah. Good, good yeah. words of wisdom. From this old gal. <laughs> <laughs> so if we may, let's, let's switch to a, a little bit of a softer topic yeah, yeah. here. Tell us, I guess, what you can about being on Drag Race. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> I know that's the, the world typical wants question. To know. The world but. wants to know. Well, first and foremost, let me say that I auditioned since season one. I had auditioned all seven seasons. Wow. And uh, what I'll say there first is that another thing that I am a strong believer in, you know, I'm 46 years old now, so uh, to never give up on your dreams. No matter who you are or what your dream is, life is short. Do not give up on your dreams. So it doesn't, it, you know, age doesn't matter. So I auditioned and, um, you know, it just every year I would get like the rejection notice and I would have information there with a nice autographs thing from (laughs) RuPaul. And then season four, I was on the audition uh, special. And, you know, apparently I just wasn't right or something wasn't polished. And so I just kept working on myself. And, you know, it's theater. So you get no's more than you get yes's. And so, uh, you know, as a child, I dreamt of 
being on the stage with I love Lu- with Lucille Ball. I love Lucy. I'm sure mm. you know who that is. Yes. And so as a child, I was like, oh, that would be a dream. And of course, you know, not realizing that she would eventually die. Uh, that never <laughs> happened. Um, but so I auditioned and auditioned and I got accepted. Well, when I arrived uh, on the set, the set that we were filming at was where the first couple episodes of I Love Lucy was filmed. And there wow. was a giant plaque that said, you know, that 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 verified that. And while we were doing some of the promo shoots uh, and some of the footage, I just had this overwhelming feeling that Lucy was there. That was just just what I had dreamt of. It was mm-hmm. a giant camera, giant lights. It was a director in a chair. And th- this, it was happening, you know. And so, you know, it's very secretive. They don't want you to interact, right, uh, mm-hmm. and, unless you're being filmed because they want to capture the magic on camera. And so a couple things. They lock you in your hotel room. They duct tape the door closed. You can't leave. You have no cell phone. You have no computer. You are basically meant to become stressed out. You're told, do not go on your balcony. I said, oh, I bet you I can go on my balcony. When I went on my balcony, somebody from the bushes yelled, Mrs. Kasha Davis, get back in your room. (laughs) So you felt like you were being watched. And you were being watched. If you wanted something to eat, you had to slip a little piece of paper under the door. If you had two days off, you had two days where you were locked in your hotel room. And we will return you to that interview with Colin Shasberger and Grace Thumser with Mrs. Kasha Davis here on WFHB very shortly. But first, you are tuned in to listener-supported WFHB, Bloomington, Bedford, Ellettsville, Nashville, Community Radio for South Central Indiana, online at wfhb.org quick weather forecast right now here at the top of the hour it's about 74 and a half degrees partly cloudy with some rain coming in here uh there is an active tornado watch right here in the listening area so please be on the lookout for that the rest of the evening tonight will be a high of or today it rose to a high of uh, 76 degrees with a low of 49 tonight scattered thunderstorms continuing through the evening Cloudy skies coming out after midnight with a low of, like I said, 49. Tomorrow, Friday, high of 50 degrees, cloudy with occasional rain showers and a low of 38 degrees with considerable cloudiness. And Saturday, 58 degrees high on sunny with a low of 41. And right now, we will return to you to the interview with Mrs. Kasha Davis. On Blooming Out with Grace Thumser and Colin Shasberger. What did you no. do all day? Watch TV, read books, oh. wrote. And was that a relaxing experience <laughs> for you? Not at all. And so, you know, at the time I was I was definitely in, still drinking and I was also a very anxious person. So there, there was one point where I thought, I think I'm just going to have to jump out of here. I can't stay here. Like, this is just, it's driving me crazy. Like... I don't just sit in one room. I made the bed. I rearranged the furniture. I shaved my legs. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, da, 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 what should I do today? And then there were times where I thought, I wonder if there are cameras in here. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. So then I wouldn't allow myself, unless I was in the bathroom with the door closed, to be naked because I thought, I don't want them to film it. Like, I started to get paranoid. So you have 12 to 15 hour filming days. So that being said, so you you do have this, it's like drag camp, right? So you're really spending a lot of time together. And it's intense. It's intense. And if you are filming and they take a break, you can't talk. So if we, we would have to separate the three of us right now, we would not be allowed to talk. And if we talked, there's producers walking all around and yell at you. Because they want to get all of that reality on camera so that they can edit and put things together. So it's very, very stressful. And so when you see some of the breakdowns, it's not just because they're being a diva. It's intense, you know, and you're also trying to do your best and you're trying to bring, you know, your game. And then this one is irritating. And, you know, people are vying for the attention of the camera. So you just want to knock them out because you can't get a word in edgewise. Mm -hmm. And there were cameras everywhere. So, you know, when we have to get from one costume to another, you have to change right in this big, what feels like a gymnasium. And... I'm looking around, so I built like a fort, and I'm not that in like I'm not that insecure about my body, but I was just like I don't want to be naked on camera on national television. So I don't, bl- I don't blame <laughs> you. Yeah, uh, I so, know. Yeah, so I set up some chairs, like I made like a little fort, and I started to get changed, and I looked up in the ceiling, and there was a guy who went like this. So he was filming. Mm-hmm. Now nothing, they don't show anything, but there are people watching you all the time. 
when you stand in the mirrors, I don't know if you watched the All Stars uh, where they had the two way mirror. Mm-hmm. Yes. The mirrors are all two way, so the mirrors were difficult to see in, and it's because the cameras are on the other side of the mirror and they're watching everything. So if you're putting your makeup on and two queens are sitting next to each other putting their makeup and they're having a conversation, they can hear it and they can see it. And then there were times when I would see a camera lens as I'm close to the mirror putting eyeliner on, and there's a camera lens right in my face. So no matter where you went, you were being watched. So it makes it a little bit hard to put on makeup. Very yeah. difficult because the, the mirrors are not true mirrors. Max in our season sat on the floor in another mirror because he wanted to be able to see a true mirror and not be in that two-way mm-hmm. mirror. Um, Bianca Del Rio in her season sat at a table with you know a portable mirror Yeah. because it was too difficult to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe because she wanted to be away from everybody. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, those are the types of types of things. So, you know, it, it was so cool, like, to be able to be escorted over for your entrance. You're kept all separate. You can hear people in the other rooms, but you don't know who they are. You can hear the entrances happening, and you're standing with this mirror that's, like, as tall as the wall, and they're like, check every inch of you, because when you go on, you have to stand there and make your entrance and then pause for the director to say, move, move stage left. And it was just just like you would imagine, like what you see on TV. And there were cameras everywhere and lights everywhere. And they were like, I just remember, I'll, I'll never forget. It was like, three, two, one, go. And I just walked out and my life changed from that moment on. I was like, Absolutely. everything's going to be different. And I knew in that moment it was going to be different. Didn't exactly know what was going to happen. But I knew that this was that cha- life-changing moment, walking out Yeah, on absolutely. And on that point, uh how has your drag changed as a result of well drag it's changed race? it's changed significantly i mean first and foremost rupaul's drag race is just it is the platform that brings us into everyone's living room and tell you know uh, you know the internet their phones everything we're 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 constantly in that public eye and it gives you that opportunity to have that broader audience Let's face it, I was not even doing drag as much as, you know, certainly not as much as I'm doing it now. So my drag has improved. Um, I was not sober at the time. So I was struggling with the fact that I wasn't, they don't allow you to drink during filming. So for two weeks, I went from being a heavy drinker to boom, cold turkey. So that was stressful and anxious for me. Um, That being said, I'm very happy with the way that I was portrayed and and how I portrayed myself on, on that show. But since then, I've gotten sober. And it's a life-changing experience for me. Um, I'm not somebody who's going to sit here and tell people that they shouldn't drink. But I know that what it did for me was to, rea- to the reality of being an alcoholic and being on the healthy side of, an, uh, of, of being an alcoholic, where I can say, yes, I am an alcoholic and I always will be, but I am so clear now. I can do so much more, and I am so my, I'm guided in a, such a stronger, more positive way where I wasn't able to hear those things before um, and to tune into those cues and clues like uh, that are available to me right now. So everything is even more possible, okay? And um, I'm able to write better. I'm able to be funnier, to be clearer uh, with my messaging. And Tempest Jour and I may do a tour together. There's the two of the old gals, you know. Uh, we're working on that. I have two one-woman shows. And uh, I'm able to go, to go out and do essentially what we're doing now. Tell stories, talk about my life so far and how things are going. I'm working on writing a book. Um, yeah, you know, I just feel as though, you know, it's, it's going to be more of shorter stories with some fun pictures. Mm-hmm. But just my way of telling some stories and uh, the things that I've dealt with uh, throughout um, the, the, the time that I've been on this earth. And, and share those things with people so that they can kind of like you know, have somebody else to look to. But I'll tell you, the, the, uh, the biggest change has been the sobriety, but that, that tied in with the fact that I was doing drag part-time and I was working, again, I wasn't following my dreams. I was trying to do both. I remember as a child, this one photographer who I worked with, I was doing makeup for him. He was like, Ed, you, you're an actor, you're, you're a dancer, you're doing makeup, you're doing too many things. Like, and I thought that was an insult. But he's like, just do something, be what you love, whatever that is. And I remember thinking, what the heck is he talking about? And so I worked in this call center job, as, and it was a great position. I was the director. I loved the people I worked with because I like people. But my passion has always been to perform. I always say in a former life, I was a court jester who wanted to be the queen. <laughs> you know, And so that's what I get to be. I'm the queen now. You know, It's my chance. And so don't give up on that. And... Uh, 
you know, now that is exactly what I do. And watch what you verbalize, because I always say I'm an international celebrity housewife, and I am a housewife. My husband has a fantastic job, and so when I'm not touring, I get to keep the dog, Max, Mm -hmm. and I get to keep the house, which I love (laughs) to do. Um, But so, you know, you you get that balance. So now I know that you have a pretty, I would say, popular YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And so... Tell us about that. Yeah. So the YouTube channel is essentially, you know, we've got a couple hundred videos on there now at this point. And the the idea there is to continue to show uh, much like a reality show. Okay. The reality, you've got the reality of Instagram, you've got the reality of YouTube and, uh, and Facebook. And so, you know, exposing more about what's really happening in your life. And so we did some life with the Davises, you know, Mm -hmm. showing everything from soup to nuts, you know, trying to stay fit, trying to eat right, uh, you know, experiencing things with other drag queens and uh, so on and so forth. And then we do a bunch of little skits, the cooking shows on there. Um, I I like to interview the new gals coming on to the new seasons. So Mm -hmm. the last two seasons I've done that and just try to throw them a a curveball, you know, because everybody asks the same (laughs) questions. You know, what are you going to do with this wonderful experience? And you can kind of just give the same canned answer. But then I'll come in like, where's the beef? And they're just like... (laughs) blank you know like silliness like how can you think on your toes you know because that's what this is all going to be about Mm -hmm. um and so you know different little things like that and i've been very fortunate to work with world of wonder and uh you know hoping to do some more work with them where it would be you know like you see the um stuff that raven and um raja do with you know um oh my gosh it's just a blank with their their why can't I think of it? We all know what it is. I know what you're talking about, but I also What's don't. wrong I'm with us? Very, yeah, I know. I'm embarrassed. Everybody listening is going to be mad at us right now. Uh, um, Boot and toot. Um, there you go. You win. So, <laughs> um, you know, so the idea that, you know, you get to, get to do, do, and of course, Trixie and Katya yeah. have their, oh. Right. You know, so uh, Tempest and I did a little them old version on there as well <laughs> just recently so you know world of wonders is fantastic yeah, yeah. stuff like that so you never know where those little connections and my dream is to be in one of bianca's uh, i know she's gonna do another movie yeah. so she's got to have some old waitress that doesn't even have a line <laughs> that just walks by and gives a dirty look that's me i'm ready and willing to do it you know stuff if like that she's listening I'll watch of course it. Yeah. i'll text her <laughs> or message her or so, make darian do it there you go there you go make darian do it so speaking of the new queens, you got to interview them all yes. and throw them some curveballs. Do you have any thoughts, anything uh, you want to share? Well, so the new season is a new crop of gals, right? Okay, so there's well over 100 girls at this point now. I think Derek was number 100 um, mm-hmm. in the last season. And so we're, you know, we're, we're, we're over 100 mark. And who's going to stand out? And it's very interesting. Um, you have an opportunity to 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 launch your career, and, and Lady Bunny told me early on, "What are you going to do with this platform? Because the sh- the show's filmed; that's all over. What's next?" And so I don't know that much about the girls yet, so I don't want to say too much. I will say the ones that have impressed me, uh, Alexis Michelle. Uh, I we're just, I just adore her look, her aesthetic, what she is a Broadway queen, so I, I relate. Charlie, of course, uh, being the older queen, I'm going to root for her. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe that we all have our, our place. And, um, of course, uh, Ma- Valentina. Uh, but she's very sweet and just very determined to stick to her guns with her art and what she does. And I think that's just inspiring. A lot of these gals are young and they've only, you know, auditioned once or twice. So that's inspiring to the listeners mm-hmm. that you don't, you know, you don't have to be a stickler like me and audition every year and, <laughs> You know, there's a place for everybody, but there's a place for Charlie, too. So for the other queens that have been doing this forever and are so amazingly talented, their place is there, too. So those are the ones that kind of, like, stand out to me right now, but it's so early. Nina Bonina with her makeup and her peach head. Oh, it was mm-hmm. ins- it was insane. Yeah. It was amazing. And if you see her work, uh, it'll be interesting to see what she does with this because, you know, she's going to get a lot more work beyond what she was doing before. And uh, it'll be interesting to see these these gals evolve. Mm-hmm. In our interview with Argenta, we touched how drag has kind of changed and how there's, like you said, there's more platforms with this show. But also, Argenta said that a lot of these queens are becoming famous off of social media or off right. of yeah, Instagram. Definitely. And thing, things like that. So, I mean, how, how have you seen drag change from when you started? Well, I like that you asked that question because a lot of the, the history of drag is and and any fashion or art can often be repeated so if you look back there are things that 
you know, people are paying homage to or that have been done before, right? So um, I don't see a lot that I would consider new, okay? Maybe revitalized, changed a bit. Um, what's new is the social media stardom, mm -hmm. okay? Because back in the day, you had to do what you had to do, work the nightclubs, make your way to get up to a certain level. And, you know, the superstars of drag, in my mind, are the Lady Bunnies, Miss Richfield, 1981, Barla Jean Merman, Coco Peru, Christopher Peterson, Randy Roberts. These are people that have been working all around the, the world, really, cruise ships, clubs, everything, and have such uh, an array of, uh, of a resume. But some of the new queens come in on the scene quick, and you can make, you can become famous, right? Well, what will you do with that? That's my big question. You know, um, you are gorgeous. You are you are showing us some looks on inter on the internet on Instagram. But can you deliver? And deliver to me is longevity, and uh, yes, evolving, changing, and you know, doing more with that. So. It's a choice because some people will stop there and that's all they ever wanted. And there really is nothing wrong with that. That's what I love. Don't you love that about drag? Drag, there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong. It's it's art. It's it's performance art. And bad drag is good and really, really bad drag is better. Like <laughs> it's all it's all great. So there really is no wrong and and so when I get asked like because I because I was part of the bitter old lady brigade in our season. Yeah. yeah. You know, and we were just saying that it's amazing to us to see people just become successful like that because they auditioned once and maybe don't have any drag and really haven't done anything. But that's the world we live in. And so we can either be jealous or be happy for them. And why not be happy for them, really? I love that. Yeah. So what is your relationship like now with the rest of your season seven queens? You know, we've lost a lot of touch. To be, if I'm to be completely honest, we were very, very close in the midst of it. We had a texting group, mm -hmm. and we were all like just, oh, my God, what about this? How, what do you think about that? Or so excited for each other when things were happening. Um, and I stay in close contact with Tempest because, like I said, we're, we're planning touring together. Um, I can text any one of them, and we'll talk. But it's, I liken it to being if you went to camp. And everybody's really close over summer camp, and you had the most wonderful experience. Or high school. Did you do you have high school friends that you no longer like? Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah, we absolutely. were all so close, but yet, like you thought that was lifetime, mm -hmm. and it changes. So it does change. But I believe that we'll always have that experience. So as they say in the drag race or in the drag, you know, you, you, there are sisters. Uh, there is that commonality there. We all went through that experience together. So I believe that there, there's a level of connection there, but it's changed, you know. Um, and I've sometimes I'm a little bit more of an emotional person, and I, I, it's hard for me to accept that, but just because I care, and I'm kind of the motherly type. So you released a single, correct? Oh, yeah, Cocktail, we want to hear yes. right? about And then there was an EP. Well, yes. So we have the single uh, cocktail, you know, uh, mm -hmm. that my husband and I sing on together. And then Season Queen was sort of a like, listen, if you're gonna if, if you're gonna say that I'm a an older gal, um, I'm gonna own it yeah. and make fun of it. So I'm a Season Queen, you know, <laughs> here to give you life. Um, and then uh, the EP kind of goes through a bunch of the music that I've always loved, and it is the music from There's Always Time for a Cocktail. And I'm working on another one that's uh, called It Takes a Lot of Balls to Be a Lady. But have you ever heard of Mrs. Miller? No, I haven't. What about um, Meryl Streep just did uh, the movie where she sings poorly, like she's like a bad singer on oh, the... I, I remember, remember seeing the trailer. About... Yeah, um, that's... Um, I'll, I'll think of it in a second. But she just <laughs> did that movie. And it's sometimes I think I sing like that. I wasn't kidding when I said I, I sound like I swallowed B. Arthur. Um, so, you know, it's like, you know, it is what it is. And so I love to sing. And I remember my, my husband saying, like, you're not like you've got a character voice, but you're not like you don't have this beautiful voice. I'm like, I have my voice. It is what it is. And so I'm going to sing. That's fun to do. And I think, you know, why not? 
Absolutely. So, I mean, what's what's next for Mrs. Kasha Davis? You talked about that show with Tempest. You know, we've mm-hmm. also been talking about your music and your YouTube. What's what's next? What's the plan? Well, the plan for me is to be cast on RuPaul's Drag Race uh, All Stars season three, All right. uh, and to Good. be in the top three for that. That's uh, the absolutely. you know that's what you do. You have to verbalize <laughs> those things. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It wasn't meant to be. But I'm that's the plan. You know, mm-hmm. when I was on season seven, I thought, oh, I'm so excited to be on the show, and that's exactly what I got. I was on the show I wasn't thinking I'm gonna win mm-hmm. I was thinking I'm just so glad to be here and so I was there right yeah so now it's you know my 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 goals uh, are more specific back in my day there were different celebrities that would show up on um, shows that were like variety shows and they were just you were so excited to see them they were just on every once in a while that's what I like about mrs. Kasha Davis like if there are other Things like the Drag Race reunion. You see her in the audience. Or, oh, there mm-hmm, she is interviewing mm-hmm. the people at the red carpet. Or, oh, she's in a movie, but she's not the lead role. She's just, she's that really nice neighbor, you know? So um, continue taking Mrs. Kasha Davis to that level. And honestly, one of the things that is a dream for me is to bridge the gap between, uh, you know, to make things more mainstream is to do product ador- endorsement. Like, uh, you know, I've fallen, I can't get up, you know, and it's Mrs. Kasha Davis. Or, you know, uh, please don't squeeze the Charmin, you know. You know, where it's truly, we have the opportunity to laugh, right? Like you are. But at the same time, you know, it's a drag character. So uh, things like that. Those are those are the plans I've got in the making. And of course, continuing to do cabaret shows, mm-hmm. touring around. I love, love, love. Uh, and it's, uh, really been a great couple months coming to the colleges because, you know, uh, students are obviously, you know, focused on trying to, to put their their life together. They know what's next for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes they're, they'll, they'll get themselves into a major and it's not the right one and it's scary and it's the end of the world. And, you know, my message there is that, you know, don't ever give up on your dreams and your life will happen for you, um, you know, uh, when it's supposed to. So just don't give up. And, That's amazing. And, <laughs> and I mean, and that is something that I feel like a lot of us here yeah, need absolutely. to hear. Right. And so I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're <laughs> yeah. at IU. I'm glad you're in Bloomington. Yeah. You know, to, to let people know yeah. that because that's really important and it's really beautiful. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, try, I'm trying to think if like we've got anything questions. else. I mean, we've got on here relationship with Michelle Visage. <laughs> yeah. like we've oh, got that's some... funny. Uh, I just... She just texted me happy birthday. So Michelle is just one of the sweetest. You know, I think Michelle has the has a difficult role in being herself and the judge mm-hmm. on RuPaul's Drag Race and being RuPaul's best friend. Um, and then sort of the one that gets to go out and communicate with everybody and stay in touch with everybody because Ru is a bigger star let's just put that out there Ruth's busy <laughs> Ruth's busy and honestly isn't able to be that connected mm-hmm. michelle is like that motherly character so she'll come to rain lounge which is in syracuse my home bar and she'll she's been there and she's interested and she wants to know and she asks about my husband and like she knows all of us and it it's it's perfect uh in terms of that scenario because it keeps it real for all of us I think that's a side of Miss Michelle yeah, so that we don't hear. I know. Well, you know what? I think, I mean, of course she's opinionated and mm-hmm. sometimes saucy, but she's fair. Yeah, okay? absolutely. It's not, she's not unfair. And, and she works with us. I mean, she tours with us. And then she'll, you know, she'll perform in the clubs with us. Um, so she knows what we're all going through and she knows drag and she yeah. knows what she's talking about. So... Nobody wants a judge that's just going to say yes, 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 right? Yeah. You've got to be challenged. And it's just uncomfortable with people. And especially for fans of, you know, let's face it, everybody was rooting for Adore. That was life-changing for Adore. If you look at her on that episode to today, it really put her in check. And I think that she probably has a lot to owe to Michelle Visage for that. Oh, yeah. She's definitely harsh, but but she needs to be. And- yeah. So you know, I think she gets a lot of flack for that, she but she doesn't. She it. doesn't come off as uh, motherly, like you said. But that's really interesting. That right, she is that way. Maybe I think she's motherly because my mom was pretty tough too. <laughs> you know, she was just gonna give it to you. You know, she, she, my mom wasn't a huggy, kissy kind of uh, gal all the time. She was, mm-hmm. but she was more so pushing us to do do our best. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, first of all, please come back to Bloomington. Please come back to IU. <laughs> yeah. If you can You're bring Michelle with you. Absolutely. Bring works for her, us too. give her my phone number. Right. Like, mm-hmm. We've got a Some list of final, your favorite words uh, and least favorite words. Yeah, we saw oh, that moist. on Twitter. Yeah, well, yeah, we, we got moist. We've got <laughs> fine. Fine is my least favorite, one of my least favorite words. Does this look okay? It looks fine. Ah! Change. That doesn't mean anything. Don't say <laughs> fine. <laughs> like, I. it's just, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's nothing. But other things, I'll, you know, basic is one of my favorite things that people have called me because I get it. Like, I get the pumpkin spice lattes and I get the whole like, you know, I like, you know, sex in the city and the and all those things that other girls are supposed to like, you know, like follow the leader. I don't know. And it just it, it's like, I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of, oh, no. you know, basic makeup. You know, when the people will say that, I'm like, yeah. Because I tried after the season to try to look like Trixie Mattel. And I looked stupid. You know, like, it looks terrific on her. But I was like, what? My husband was just like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm over-contouring my nose. I'm over-contouring my cheeks. And I look dumb. It's it's funny. Um, yeah, these words. Like, you know, words are powerful, aren't mm-hmm. they? Yes. You know, even just those simple words like that. Because make me, make me mad. Like, fine. Like adulting, that is adulting. you're going to be disappointed in me. That is a word that is active in my vocabulary. Well, it is new. It's for you newbies, you new kids. But when I have some friends, Katie P is a friend of mine who, and she's like, "Oh, I have to. I'm adulting today. I don't know how to do laundry." Okay, mm-hmm. that's not adult. Doing laundry is a simple task. Follow the instructions. I but very makes, much agree with you. <laughs> I very feel much like an agree. adult. I, I know. feel like an adult. But I, you know what? Like, I think that it's. It's exciting to feel like adult, but adults can feel like kids too. And you know, it's like it sounds whiny to me. I agree. I I I cannot take it when people say adult. Now you're getting defensive. I'm adult. But <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm over here kind of defensive about <laughs> yeah. one of my, one of, my one of your favorite words. Yeah, um, but grateful. So through sobriety, they teach you is that the, the power of gratitude. Okay, and I'm sure it's in a lot of. Uh, self-help books and inspirational things, but it is so amazing. Jujube, uh was came to Rain Lounge the one time and she's like, oh, you're all sober now, so you're, you know, you're, you're talking about being uh, grateful. And in a lot of the books, like Wayne Dyer is a huge uh, inspirational individual and they talk about like taking your first couple steps in the morning and saying like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And just imagine Jujube, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but it is. If you wake up and you do that every morning and you think about all the things that you're grateful for, and you constantly think that way, better things continue to come your way. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Yeah. You have some great words of advice. <laughs> well, this is what us old people do. We start to accumulate <laughs> what works, and then it's our job to share it, you know, yeah. I think. One of the things that really gets me is a, a negative old fella or lady, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's okay to be saucy and maybe a, in a humorous way, but I love to uh, for people to share the positive things and... And what worked, even if it is a little bit rough around the edges. Thank you again. Yeah, just, thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you for having me. And, you know, I just appreciate the opportunity and getting to talk to other people. And listen, what do we, you know, follow us on social media, all of us. We'll, we'll post a picture. That sounds amazing. Yeah, there sounds we go. Sounds <laughs> life-changing. I'm glad that no one can see me as I'm starting to cry. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Thank you, and support for WFHB and Blooming Out comes from the back door downtown Bloomington's Queerest Bar, Dance Club, and Venue. From live bands and DJs to drag shows and karaoke, there's something for everyone every day of the week. The back door is located at 207 South College in the alley behind Atlas Bar, and more information can be found on Facebook or online at bckdoor.com. Blooming Out is also supported by the Quarryland Men's Chorus, Bloomington's premier chorus for gay, bi, and trans men and their allies. More information can be found at quarryland.org. And to finish out tonight's show, it's time for your weekly LGBTQ plus area event calendar. On Sunday, join DJ Aaron Tilford at Monsieur. Monsieur is a weekly event at the Root Cellar Lounge beneath Farm Bloomington. DJ Tilford will start spinning the beats beginning at 8 p.m. The Hoosiers Out Together Conference 2017 will be held at Purdue University March 31st through April 2nd. Cost is $15 for students, $25 for non-students. HotCon is the first college conference to focus on the history, present conditions, and future visualizations of LGBTQ plus people in Indiana. 
Over three days of workshops, presentations, activities, and panels, we will explore the challenges that face us as LGBTQ plus Hoosiers. HotCon is a space for students, faculty, staff, and community members. And the second annual Gabe Hines Celebration of Life Drag Show will be held on Saturday, April 1st from 1 to 3 p.m. in Shreve Hall at the Ivy Tech Community College campus in Bloomington. The show is a fundraiser for the Student Emergency Fund at Ivy Tech, and 100% of the tips will go towards the Ivy Tech Student Emergency Fund. Features entertainers include Vicky St. James, Silky Ganache, Sunia Omni Hall, Bendova Plenty, and Oriana Perron. The event is hosted by Miss Vanessa Vale. It is, it is an event uh, open to all ages and open to the public. Continuing the long list of RuPaul's Drag Race, contestants at the back door, on Friday, April 14th, Courtney Ack will perform. More information can be found on Facebook. And finally, begin preparing your stomach for Prism Youth Community's Rainbow Pancake Brunch on April the 15th at the Unitarian Universalist Church in Bloomington. More information can be found on Facebook. That is all the time we have for this evening. We would like to thank you for tuning in tonight. If you are interested in volunteering here at WFHB or for our show, contact volunteer at wfhb.org. You can also call us at 812-323-1200, tweet us at bloomingoutwfhb, visit our Blooming Out Facebook page, or find us on Instagram. The executive producer of Blooming Out is Joe Crawford. The producer is Ryan Shaddy. The associate producer and board engineer is Sarah Hetrick. The news director is Noel Phillips. Finally, our theme music is an original composition produced for Blooming Out by Aaron Gage. For Blooming Out, Grace Thumser and Colin Schasberger, I'm Ryan Shaddy. Please tune in again next Thursday at 5.30 p.m. and visit us online at bloomingout.com. Blooming Out. Indiana's only LGBTQ plus radio program airs every Thursday evening here on WFHB at 5.30 p.m. You can also stream us 24 hours a day, seven days a week on WFHB.org or BloomingOut.com. Thank you for listening. Please tune in again next week to Blooming Out. Blooming Out.